Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. After beauty kind of having this notion of acceptance, what's really interesting now is it's almost like there's a notion of rejection in beauty now, rejecting orthodoxy. Freedom to express yourself has definitely changed in that you are scrutinized now because we work in the public eye. My biggest challenge is working out where I sit now in being a professional makeup artist. What power or authority do I have? Because actually it's the generation, Generation Z or the Instagrammers that hold so much more creative authority in a way than I do. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to Inside Fashion on the BOF podcast. This week, our editor-at-large sits down with the groundbreaking makeup artist, Isamaya French, known for her artistic and highly creative approach to makeup artistry. Isamaya is Days Beauty's creative director and has also joined Christian Louboutin as the company's new global makeup ambassador. This week, she sits down with Tim to talk about what it means to be a makeup artist today in the age of Instagram with public scrutiny and ongoing changes and notions of what beauty really is. So here's Tim Blanks and Isamaya French inside fashion. Hi, Isamaya. Hi. <laughs> I, uh, would like to start with uh, by asking you about something which really brought home in the last little while the power of makeup. I think the, the 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 power of makeup to make you stop and look at something with new eyes, and that 
thing is Rihanna's eyebrows. Oh, Rihanna's always starting with Rihanna's eyebrows. <laughs> Great, good start. Hmm. Tell me about Rihanna's eyebrows. And I'm mean, by of. that I mean the scummy, <laughs> me, skinny, the, sort of Jean Harlowy eyebrows right. you did for Vogue, Vogue's cover. Well, um, that was uh, that's a real pleasure to yeah to block out her eyebrows and do that look. I worked with Edward Enifel and Nick Knight on that shoot and actually it was Edward that sent me a reference and said you know what do you think about doing this and of course I said definitely <laughs> any kind of transformation for me is you know something that I, I love to do and explore especially when it's on a celebrity you don't see her looking like that um what did he find moving about it or? I just thought it was so simple and striking and subversive you know, it, it just it, it, when you when you see, I mean, I mean, I'm obsessed with makeup anyway. But mm. when you see makeup like that, when you see, especially combined with the richness of the, mm. the headdress and everything, mm, mm. Um, and and it just looked so radical. Oh, cool. But it was so simple, like a <laughs> like a skinny eyebrow. Mm. I think eyebrows are interesting. I find them personally interesting thing parts of the face to um, change just because they have such a huge impact on your expression. I mean, it's very basic, but um, so fundamentally that will make you look and feel radical because you can you can't be as expressive with a thin eyebrow, for example. So I think, yeah, it's more it's easier to f create a new feeling around a face than say doing something with the lips or whatever. Was you've said the eyes are the <laughs> most important part of the face yeah. for you when you're, when you're working? I think so. Definitely there's something unnerving about taking away eyebrows. I mean, I know I drew a thin line, but you know, for example, no eyebrows or no hair isn't a sign of health. So even though I, you know, drew on a thin brow, it doesn't look natural. And I think that's something that probably people find a bit jarring, removing eyebrows, because what we know of beauty is luscious, youthful, healthy. That's what sells. So I think eyebrows and definitely taking them away um, create a bit more of an unnerving look. With that incredible lip that, that Rihanna had, that, that the, the dynamism of that image, I thought, was, was really interesting. Oh, cool. And it to see it on the cover of you know the biggest Vogue mm. September Vogue of the year um, was was quite it, it reminded me of, of 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 how I used to respond to makeup when I first started looking at fashion magazines and you look at a a Guy Bourdin shoot or a Helmut Newton shoot or Serge Luten's makeup and right. it seemed like in those days makeup had a different role to play in mm. fashion and. I wonder how you feel about that. I mean, historically, did you have you gone back and looked at, well, I, at makeup of the past? That I really appreciate that. I mean, Serge Luton's for sure is, if not the greatest inspiration to me as a makeup artist than any other artist out there. Probably, I think his vision was so amazingly radical and beautiful and disturbing, and it just touched on all of these very these elements that made you feel, didn't always make you feel good. I mean, I know a lot of his images were of these, you know, pale, ghostly, 
amazing looking women but skinny eyebrows skinny eyebrowed women <laughs> but there's also something a bit dark about his work obviously dark about it um and i mean it's it's funny you're asking me about this rihanna eyebrow because i really i i'm so in it i don't even think about it <laughs> you know it's a lot of people talk to me about the rihanna eyebrow and for me it wasn't I just did it because I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, but to see it, yeah. to see it, see it coming at you from everywhere. I think mm. that's what was striking because it did take me back to that's to awesome. those to those old images when when makeup seemed to be makeup seemed to fill a different function mm. in in the world. Mm -hmm. um, there obviously there have been there have been people like Pat McGrath who mm. who've, who've restored a sort of richness to it and a, and a kind of fantasy element. Yeah. But it, it, it seemed like, it seems that there are a number of ways to approach makeup mm. and there's, there's, there's the, the everyday, you know, yeah. what you put on your face in the morning to go to work or whatever. Yeah. And there's, there's this whole other area that you seem to be mm. probing, which seems to be more, maybe more um, coming more to the fore now than it has for a long, long time. I think, you know, Pat McGrath is an inc you know she is if not the most well-known and respected incredible makeup artist that's you know ever lived could I say that maybe mm -hmm. just in terms of the you know the extent of how far her work has traveled and touched people and how how long as well it's been around for I mean I feel like the industry of what I know of it, um, when I've been in the industry, only, you know, like touching on nine, 10 years-ish, but uh, working in a professional way, people like Pat McGrath and Guido and um, Eugene and Val Garland, all those, they really shaped what we know as commercial, I'd like to say commercial beauty, and I don't mean, I'm not disrespecting, because sometimes people say commercial, oh, that's, um, uh, no one wants to be commercial. You know what I mean? But I, I mean, they shaped a lot of what we know as a culture, what beauty is and what well, it means. The public face of the beauty, public, yeah. Thank you, yeah. The yeah. public face of it. So they've really held those positions for, God, almost 30 years, I guess, shaped it. And that's partly to do with the way fashion and beauty has been exposed. Instagram didn't exist before. So the only way that you would see those images in great numbers would be editorially, you know? So they were able to really hold on to those positions of power and authority and define it for us. And I feel like my biggest challenge, I'm kind of going off topic, off, off your question, but my biggest challenge is working out where I sit now in being a professional makeup artist, what power or authority do I have? Because actually it's the generation, Generation Z or the Instagrammers that hold so much more um, creative authority in a way than I do. You know, I was saying the other day, it's very difficult being a professional makeup artist and trying to maintain a sense like maintain good work because you do it you're hired for an editorial shoot you got you know 10 hours to do 10 looks that means you know one look an app per hour and you don't even get an hour of the model maybe you get like 25 minutes you're not going to be able to produce really amazing creative work in that time whereas say some instagrammer at home will have two days if they want to create an amazing image so it's become this really strange thing where i'm kind of you know, it's my profession and I have to be creative, but I have so many limitations. Does that make any sense? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it, I see that happening in, in so many other areas too. It's this, 
it, 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 in this, you know, it's like when people say to me, what's the role of criticism now mm. when everybody's a critic, mm-hmm. everybody has a, mm. has a, uh, as a voice. Right. And to, to, to see the same thing happening in makeup mm. that, you know, everybody can sit down and anybody can sit down and do a tutorial totally. in, in their bedroom. Totally. Um, what does it when you're saying where you're, you're asking yourself where 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 do you fit into that? Then where what's your answer? Where do you fit into that? You still working it out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm still working it out. Um, I, you know, this is an honest interview, and I don't believe that the answer lies in editorial work. I don't believe as a makeup artist. That's my personal opinion. You know, my projection of where I. I see myself going as an artist or whatever, and it doesn't, it's not going to be an editorial and it's not going to be in image making. I feel like image making in that way is becoming a bit of a redundant thing. It's, you know, people are doing more video, more 3D, more interactive, all this kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's just a funny place to be. And more prosthetic, more yeah. work with prosthetics, totally. and more. Post-production and yeah, all of it. It doesn't yeah. just blur gender. It blurs the entire <laughs> physical form. It's 100%. Back to the Serge Luton's thing, though, your, your original question. I feel like he really, he was he was an artist, and I feel like his he, he didn't come across as a commercial artist in a way. If you look at his work and the, you know, things he did with Shasido, was it mm-hmm, Shasido mm-hmm, and... Mm-hmm. It was all very like, it was almost like he could explore all those weird new territories because they hadn't been defined because beauty hadn't really been defined in that way yet until I feel, it, 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 you know, the face of beauty, the public view of beauty. I feel then when Pat McGrath and that kind of generation came along, they started to really, it started to take shape. I, I guess somebody like Serge Lutens, I always felt his work was so influenced by by Asia, and and oh, he was one of the yeah. first people to embrace other mm, cultures yeah. and to incorporate other cultures That's into true. his work. And now, of course, there are so many cultures. There mm. there, there are there are not just the physical cultures mm. that populate the planet, but there are all the online cultures mm. and all the different kind of all the different reconceptualations of tribalism, mm. and all of them have faces. Well, I don't know if he'd be allowed to do what he did, actually, even though, you know, looking at it in in retrospect, it, I, you know, it looks amazing. But would you be allowed to be that focused on one culture, not being Asian yourself? And you know what I mean? He, 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 there was no diversity in that sense in his work. And that's also not really something you can do in a mainstream way anymore. He was allowed to just do what he liked. And what he liked was you know, Asia and that look, you know what I mean? I don't know if that would be allowed. And so your freedom, you know, the liberty of, um, like, you know, personal, personal, what would you say, is kind of taken away it, from well, you. Well, he was obsessive. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think, um, I mean, he was obsessive in... I don't know whether being obsessive absolves you from from um, yeah, but I, what what, you, mm. what you're saying is that people would now say, well, he's appropriating another culture, right? Right. But his obsession mm. was so extreme <laughs> and all-consuming. I mean, he lived it. Yeah. I mean, as he he himself lived, he looked yeah. like a samurai. Wow. Um, he was fucking awesome. I love to say that on, <laughs> <laughs> on radio. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you feel though about? Uh, 
I, because I feel I feel obsession is critical um, in in the the work that you mm. do. I think you need to be obsessed because you, you can't stop. You need to be moving all the time and I agree and trying things. Yeah, and, I agree. I mean, I mean, he definitely had a funny sense of humor. That's for sure. Not all. I mean, his work was. I mean. <laughs> In a weird way, you know, <laughs> you're making a face. <laughs> no, I have. I did. I did spend some time with him, and, and it was an extraordinary experience. Yeah. It really was like being with a yeah. alien. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's really, really. He has a definite, you know, interesting perspective. Um, I mean, for you, mm. how when you're saying that he couldn't do that now, he was free to be obsessed, and now mm. he wouldn't be so free, perhaps. Freedom has changed then for, for I, somebody I, like you doing what you do? The whole in, idea of freedom has changed? A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, freedom to express yourself has definitely changed in that um, you are scrutinized now because we work in the public, very much obviously in the public eye, as to um, what you're communicating and making sure you're inclusive and making sure you aren't offending anyone and... Uh, for better or worse, public opinion seems to carry greater authority and weight than fact sometimes, you know, and that's the world we live in. And I might get hammered for saying that, but I, that's how I feel. Um, and it's almost like you, you, can, you can be obsessive, but only if it's not offending anyone or it's all inclusive or whatever. You know, I think um, I'm obsessed with new I love new things and I love um, being challenging my work in new ways, finding new ways to express it. I don't necessarily mean like in film or in performance, but I just mean in terms of the tools I'm given to create new images. I'm obsessed by new. So I think that's my obsession. I wouldn't say I really have a style I don't think I feel Serge Lupin's had a style that was very mm. recognizable. A signature for sure. A signature. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't, I don't know, I would have to ask you. I don't see myself really having a signature, but I think the signature, of, it's for me, it's all about new. Well, the curiosity, there's, there's a curiosity in your work that I guess could be. Maybe. Could be a signature in the way that you approach faces and mm. bodies. And mm. you, it, it's a kind of, there's a kind of totality, which mm. is, which is. I don't know, it's been called subversive. And I reckon if you're doing something which people consider to be subversive, and surely it's only subversive if some people are being offended. Mm. So in, mm. in, in the, in when you're saying you don't really want to give offense, surely there are times when the notion of, of, of disturbing people, profoundly disturbing them mm. so that they feel compelled to complain <laughs> is, is, is an asset. Hmm. I mean... This is a almost a whole other conversation. I just don't read the comments. What would be the farthest out you've gone, do you think, and what you do? In terms of potentially offending people? Well, no, I mean, just generally, like whether it offends people or not, but what's the furthest you've been able to go in what you do? I don't even think I've pushed myself that far, to be honest. I sort of... I do use, I mean, the Manson shoot was fun. It was really fun. And I, yeah, I used prosthetics there and I was also full on nude, <laughs> which was also lots of fun. Uh, so um, maybe I could say I pushed myself and that's some of my favorite work I've ever made. Um, but it helps to have a, a collaborator like him, I guess. It does. Co-conspirator. 
Yeah. Absolutely does. Um, but I think it's one of those funny things where I also get very tired of, a, of, a, of something, you know, maybe for better or for worse. I get, I have an idea or something, an area I want to explore. And I feel like as soon as I've explored it, it's done and it's kind of dead. And I often think I sort of think about things that I did years ago and thought fuck if i just stayed with it a bit longer i could have really had ownership on that idea but it's just not worth like it what? anymore what's a what, what can you think of something oh i just i mean let me think you know in such a way that you couldn't go back to it now and, yeah, and claim I'm, ownership even the prosthetic stuff for example i'm would be a, a nutter to say i don't have any ownership over prosthetics god but I just mean maybe a, an introduction into using prosthesis in a different way. And I didn't, I, I kind of play around with it a bit, but I, I probably could have taken it a lot further uh, much earlier on in my career when I, you know, kind of, um, yeah, but I'm sure if anyone could say that. You just sound bitter, don't you? So it's better to skim over that. And <laughs> At your age. No, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Well, I was curious. That you, when you, you said once that, in a way, there are relatively few things I've mm -hmm. done that I could really call my own work. Definitely. That's kind of intriguing. Of, yeah, I think that just comes down to the fact that my work is generally presented in a space that is um, not controlled but contributed to by other people you know it's not pure art it's not narcissistic it's collaboration it's fashion it's shoots it's lots of ideas it's lots of people I think for example the Manson thing was entirely my thing that's partly why I love it so much from you know beginning to end that was a project that I had in my mind and I saw through and um and I, but you know, when you work in fashion, a lot of the time you have many other opinions that you have to, or limitations, editorial limitations, whatever that you have to face. So, yeah, that's probably what I'm talking but I, about. I'm, intri I'm intrigued. I'm again. I'm I'm always intrigued. I'm, mm. Everything intrigues me. Um, it's one of my favorite words. <laughs> but uh, working with Marilyn Manson on, on what was a personal project mm. and then working with somebody like tom ford mm. on a beauty collection extreme beauty collection for him um a very different people or are they or are they yes <laughs> <laughs> you heard mm. it first marilyn manson and tom ford um <laughs> yes tell me about that sort of experience and going from something which is i imagine that manson is an extremely controlled maybe controlling person and tom definitely prides himself on on being the master of every minute detail i think in a way i'd say it's less about control and more about an ideology with those two and they are both radical humans and their visions are radical you know sure manson might uh, did radical in his own dark amazing twisted whatever manson way but tom ford is also radical i mean he you know those gucci campaigns he did or you know the the perfumes smelly things between the girl's ass cheeks so it's radical and i feel like i mean it's actually i feel it's a massive compliment to me to be able to align myself with those two people and hope that they'd work with me because we share something in common maybe um, so obviously they have different aesthetics, but I think fundamentally they are real pioneers in 
in radicalism and radical visuals and ideals. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if it's prosthetics mask or it's, you know, a cosmetics thing. It's more about the fundamentals of where that comes from at the core of the person. Now, you, you've used the word transhumanism. Mm. Um, and and that, that, that that's an interesting... Mm. Because it's, it's a provocative notion, but you can see in a way how it could apply. It could apply, well, obviously to Marilyn Manson, but um, it could apply to what Tom Ford does as well in, in the, the sort of the mutation of, of, um, of the human. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the kind of perfection, the, perf mm. the, the quest for perfection. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, that's the, what is it to be human? Human is something that isn't, I don't think defined by us having, you know, uh, legs and hands and feet and all that stuff. I think we're, what was human, you know, 4,000 years ago will, is the same as what, you know, we'll still be humans 4,000 years from now, but maybe we'll be, look completely different, but we're still fundamentally humans. And maybe that's to do with, you know, consciousness and all the rest, whatever. Do you know what I mean? So it's a constant evolution. Do it's you constantly feel you're evolving. Working, do you feel that's the sort of, they're the parameters that you, you're working in with what you do, that you're actually, what you do is extremely physical. You, you, but you are at the same time poking around in the <laughs> the dark the dark core of of um, human beings to, to to you know to, to express yeah. something there you there is a sort of fundamental kind of darkness or twisted quality. What do you mean by twisted? Well, the, the, I, I think of uh, talking about death. Oh, uh, am I? Were we? <laughs> well, I don't know. I just want to know what that means, twisted. Extreme, perhaps. Right, it's right. It's, if, if, if we go back to where we started, you know, thinking about makeup in the 70s where Guy Bourdain's models looked hectic, you mm, know, and the mm. makeup was kind of hectic and, and decadent. Mm. And when I, look at, um, when I look at your work, there's a sort of, there is a sort of extravagance oh, cool. to it. Um, and, uh, you know, we mentioned subversion, but also there's a provocation there that you, uh, it, it, it's the, the, what, the whole notion of what beauty is, 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 it seems to me to have changed quite a lot over the last 20 or 30 mm. years. I think, think two things. One is, there are many ways to tell stories and that doesn't just mean films or books. You can tell stories in images and I, you know, and um, think partly what I'm drawn to is not necessarily the idea of telling a story, but just something that moves you. I uh, wouldn't want to make work if it didn't. Or moves me, actually. It's all about me, really. <laughs> whatever I find interesting or moving or entertaining or what, for whatever reason or mood I, thing I'm exploring. But um, beauty, of course, has changed because it's always being shaped by the culture of what beauty is equated with. Now, generally, that means going on down a kind of a different route here. Beauty, I mean, it's a complicated word but in terms of say female aesthetic beauty in a in a commercial way is generally driven by health and what how you know how 
our perception of what a healthy woman is because that's what will sell products of you know a woman who looks like she's fertile and young and you know it's it's basically anti-death that's what I feel like advertisers cling on to and that's what sells a product that's why you don't see old women and you know decrepit whoever's on um a foundation counter because it's not aspirational and people want to buy into aspirational things and health and have the you know what I mean and I feel obviously over the years versions of what healthy has have changed and that also corresponds to wealth as well you know like why you know overweight women back in the whenevers were considered to be beautiful because they could eat versus say in the 90s when you had all the whole like thin trend was because people could afford to not eat in you know in that kind of thing and now it's the same with suntans that exactly when you had a suntan it meant you worked in the fields yeah exactly and now people can spend factor 50 on them be you know it's just constantly this kind of dialogue between what we equate with wealth and beauty and fertility and virility and all those things and obviously the pop culture now and kardashians have determined a kind of new set of ideals of what wealth and beauty is which is you know bigger hips and waist and tits and all that whatever and so I'm literally going off and on and I can't even remember your question we're talking about about the way the beauty's changed I mean is it even uh, beauty I guess at one point there, there was an orthodoxy of beauty and Mm. and if you think during the 70s and 80s there was a sort of there was a standard maybe mm. and and beauty was about acceptance of 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 a certain set of criteria i mean if if beauty comes from nature mm. where be- symmetry in nature is beauty mm, so mm, butterflies mm. recognize right, right. a good breeding partner exactly. from the, from the symmetry of of its wings. I forgot to mention that, but exactly, yeah. fit symmetry in faces as well yeah. will help sell products because that's health. what looks so, health. Yeah, health yeah. and reproduction. And an asymmetrical and all that. face is supposed to be, you know, Edgar Allan Poe was supposed yeah. to be emblematic of complete madness because his face was so asymmetrical. Right. But I think that what's happening after beauty, beauty kind of having this notion of acceptance, mm. what, what's really interesting now is it's almost like there's a notion of rejection. In, in beauty now, reject, rejecting orthodoxy, yeah, and and celebrating all different types, individuality, of people, individuality, extreme individuality, and mm. um, so beauty isn't is it is it the wrong word now? Is there another is there another word we should well, be using? I, yeah, I mean that's why it's you know do, are you talking? I think it just has to be defined as to what you are relating beauty to because beauty for me is something that moves me when I say beauty I don't necessarily just mean on an aesthetic level so I think it's important to define what kind of beauty you're talking about but I mean it yes there's a rejection I think because you know in commercial um, you know corporations have kind of homogenized what beauty should look like for the consumer like you say, the perfect ideals of women and symmetry and blah, blah, blah. And um, I just guess I'm just trying to dig a bit deeper into, is it just a rejection of that now or is it something else? Are we, or a broadening of the... Yeah. Broadening or, of the whole idea. Or what and, and But also, you know, going back to like wealth and say fertility, how does this whole weird Gen Z face warpy no eyebrows bald heads you know it's like the antithesis of what it was before and how does where where's the connection there to the whole 
Do you well, see what I mean? It, it's interesting if you if you think you know that history, the historical, the dialectic of mm, history, mm. that there's a thesis, and then there's an antithesis, mm. and then there's a synthesis, mm. and that's how that's how society or civilization or culture or whatever moves forward. There's mm. a proposal. There's a there's a rejection of the proposal, mm. and there's the two come together. Maybe right now we're in a phase of the antithesis mm. and then the next thing would be a synthesis of mm. the thesis and the antithesis so you'd have you'd have beauty i i think the word beauty is a bit of a is a bit misleading mm. um because it's it it's there are so many things that are beautiful uh, be, uh, to me totally. and to everybody everybody has their Absolutely. own idea of what's beautiful yeah that's and what I mean, defining what you're yes. actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's like it's in the eye of the beholder, I guess. That, that That's such a cliche, but I guess it it's is. so true. It is, yeah. And what does that mean for, for somebody like you then? You're talking about all these people doing things online. Do you feel there's a pressure to be something, um, to, be, to, to stand for something, to represent some notion? You said you don't have a signature, but do you feel there is a pressure to maybe have a signature? I think for me, there's a pressure to remaining true to my guts and how what I feel and the way I make an image. That's all. That's the only pressure. And I, yeah, sometimes, you know, I look at whatever Instagram and someone's done this amazing thing. And I mean, it's pretty rare that I am jealous or wish I'd done it. And I, I value it. I think it's all amazing. I really have a personal journey with this whole, with what I do. I mean, it's funny beauty beauty makeup is was the last thing on my agenda and i hope won't be the last thing on my agenda if that makes sense i like i mean i've said in the past i my up, whole upbringing until i was like oh, 24 was theater and makeup uh, <laughs> theater and dance and performance and i was with the theo adams company for many years and i was um that's an education i mean that's shaped me if nothing else has you know what i mean so this was really an accident <laughs> and i kind of still view it as an accident and therefore perhaps that's why i'm not i don't i feel easy about it i don't feel anxious about my career i don't feel anxious about doing more work or new work or whatever it's because it was never the goal really um i just it's just a means to express you know what i mean well it's, you you began with you literally began with face painting I for, did. for little kids I did, I did. and and I, I mean that's where makeup began with face painting it's not good enough at making cocktails and the <laughs> local bar basically not good enough at pouring pints that's why <laughs> so turning little children into tigers no, um, no, yeah you know that's the makeup began as face painting in, in the year 400,000 bc or right whatever. right and, and what i find interesting another interesting thing now is you know, there's been a lot of talk about AI mm. and how um, AI really only recognizes the faces of the people who are creating the technology, mm -hmm. i.e. It, right, it, you it mean the whole racial thing yes, and all that. it doesn't that. recognize black women's faces, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, get into this, you get into this thing with makeup mm. where it um, is it... Uh, 
makeup can 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 get wrapped up in notions of secrecy versus privacy. Um, disguise uh, mm-hmm. becomes like quite a political thing, mm-hmm. um, where your self-expression then becomes a, a, a way to um, well reject again. Mm-hmm. I guess reject what your, is your fundamental who, who your, your culture, well, your race, the, the for who, example, the or who that all the data gatherers of the world mm-hmm. want to want to corral into their mm. big amorphous kind of mm. target audience, mm. then makeup actually takes on quite an interesting, um, you know, V for yeah. Vendetta style yeah. Yeah. Way, to, way, to, way to rebel. And mm. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at a little bit with you, that it becomes a kind of resistance. Does it? <laughs> I'm out of my depth now. <laughs> <laughs> because you're, you're challenging you, uh, you're challenging preconceptions. I think I'm really, I'm lucky that I'm able to, you always, I, I think one has to really look at the context of where the work is shown. My work isn't in an art gallery. It's in fucking, you know, fashion mag, for example, on a pop star, on, you know, the internet. And I think that's when work or whatever you want to call it, you know, is interpreted differently or takes on a different meaning. Had I had I become an artist and explored this in a different way and put it on the walls of a gallery, it would have its own, a, a completely different kind of appeal or narrative or whatever, you know what I mean? So I think- Limited actually, It'd be more limited, wouldn't it, if it was well, on the wall of a gallery? <laughs> Maybe in terms of, you know, the reach, but I just mean in terms of the way, what it's maybe saying and the and the freedom and the message do you know what i mean by that so i guess i'm only lucky oh it, it only maybe appears really radical because it's next to an estate order campaign <laughs> you know which doesn't look like anything like my work i don't know but- a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. 
Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. When you talk about curation of identity, that to me is just Mm. super. I mean, it's what you see it is super interesting. You see it everywhere now. Mm, This is what people are doing. This is what catfish is is called. (laughs) Well, yeah. And yeah. on, on a sort of banal mm. on a banal level, but um, on my more in my more more exalted um, fantasy, it's yeah. uh, it's I guess it boils down to something as as basic as you can be whatever you want to be, and makeup yeah. then becomes an incredibly powerful Tool. instrument. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think it does. Yeah, it it does. It does. It it does. Inter- it does when it's in you know a two D image where you have no relation real physical relationship with the person but it's a whole not you do you know what i mean it, it, it exists with different strengths in different air in different environments but that brings us that brings us to your own education in 3d design mm. and industrial design <laughs> yeah and put that together with what you're doing now it's a very interesting, I use that word again, interesting. I could have said intriguing for the hundredth time. <laughs> well, I keep uh, it's, saying makeup, so it's, it's fine. A, it's a, well, do we need another word for makeup then? I mean, if we do we, we need another word for beauty? We need another word yeah. for makeup. I mean, do we? I think, oh, I don't know. No. <laughs> Let's keep it simple, I mean. <laughs> well, I see, I love the idea of cryoland. When you talk about cryoland, I just, I used oh, yeah. to I used to make, when I was a David Bowie oh. When yeah. I was a little glam rocker in the early 70s, I used They're to mash up Mary Quant sticks. Oh, you did? Kingfisher blue with Vaseline <laughs> and make these incredibly lurid colors yeah. um, and use them on. I didn't have any eyebrows. Oh, really? Oof, did you shave you them? I plucked them. them off. Can you imagine? Wow, it's brave. Um, and I know they, they mightn't have grown back. And <laughs> I remember I used to go into the university bookstore and all the women who worked in the university bookstore, what is that eyeshadow you're wearing? Oh, wow. Where can I make buy? And I, I said, I just mashed up Mary Pont Kingfisher Blue with a bit of Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> and that, um, it when there are no rules mm. and you fall back on your own initiative interesting things can happen well i feel i actually so i went to st martin's for that um course and i actually quit after two years um because i found it way it was it wasn't conceptual enough for me and i had these grand ideas of going in and you know design i actually wanted to be a shoe designer that's why i I was i was still doing all this dance and whatever and ever and i thought i should just go to university anyway and i should um i wanted to be a shoe designer and i i got a place at cordwainers (laughs) and then freaked out thinking shit four years what if i can only design shoes (laughs) what then so i 
So that's why I did a much broader course, thinking I'd be able to explore all these different things. Turns out, all I was allowed to design was fucking mobile phones and chairs. <laughs> and I thought this is not for me at all. But I think the thing that I did take away from it was the education in how to understand a working with a brand and understanding its vision and being able to interpret it and kind of eject it in your way. Yeah, it does that make sense? So mm-hmm. learning how a brand, like you know, a brand's ideology, what that means, what that looks like, learning how to design as if you were that person designer, but still being able to like implement your own artistry or creativity whilst you, you know, tr- translate that idea. And I think that's really helped me for sh- with on shows, for example, when I work with designers to create looks, because ultimately you're trying to create a look that feels like it still embodies. The designer's like aesthetic. What's an example of that um, process? Junior Watanabe, for example, one of my most favorite um, the designers to work with. You know, and the, the longer I work with him as well, I think, I hope, the more I kind of understand his, where he comes from with his work and the way he creates things and what he's inspired by and whatever. Um, yeah, for example, he, yeah, he's a good example of that. Um, What's that process then? Because Virginia, yeah, you, you, I'm always intrigued by Calm Junior, that 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 mm. particular group of designers. How how much of a, a blank slate you're given when you go into work with people like that? It depends on show to show, and I I I think uh, initially when I first started working with him, he wanted to get. Uh, it was all like, it's like solving a riddle. It was amazing. You know, a couple of months before the uh, show, he'd send me literally like buzzwords, you know, um, industrial, revolutionary, punk, elegant, um, paperclip, you know, like really, really like a riddle. And he'd say, no, I want you to go and translate that. Send me looks, send me ideas. What does that mean? So then go off and I'd do all these tests and stuff and I'd send them, you know, PDFs of this is what I've been exploring. Do you want me to go down that route? This is what I go down. You know, it was a really wonderful process for me. Um, and so that was kind of my, first, and, you know, and then he'd say, no, it's all shit. <laughs> and the day before the show, we'd be in there till midnight trying to work out actually what he wanted me to do. Um, but the whole, but uh, you know, I think as the more I've worked with him, the less of that preparation we have to do because I now come in and I know what he's, I know, I think I know, <laughs> shouldn't say no, uh, what he's trying to communicate, what his message is. So it's much easier. So now, I only, now we're only there till 9 p.m. <laughs> you know what I mean? And is that something, is that your favorite part of what you're doing then, that you get to work with in a sort of collaborative way with these I love these love extreme, collaborations, yeah. Like I, Eve Tumor, for example. Love Eve Tumor, yeah. And Jordan Hemingway and yeah, people who are... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I absolutely love collaboration. Strangely enough, I think going back to my, you know, my real education, which was in performance and all that kind of stuff, I think I've exhausted a lot of my collaborative energies <laughs> and I think you know now I'm now at a point where I really just want to start focusing on my own work and what I maybe have to say because for whatever reason I've decided I'm I'll let myself now and up until this point I maybe haven't 
had the confidence to do that. So, and what do you want to achieve? What would you hope to achieve in an ideal world? An Oscar. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do I want to achieve? Um, well, that's not totally unfeasible. I mean, God. I <laughs> no. I, so actually a really hard question because, uh, I mean, I've, I've done like psychotherapy since I was 22 and that whole process is about, you know, you're constantly evolving and observing and analyzing and changing. And I feel, you know, I, I feel like my work's hopefully a little bit of a reflection of that. So I couldn't say what I'd want to achieve. You mean you've been in psychotherapy. Yeah. Since, and since, how many since, times a week do you do that? Uh, once a week, every week. Yeah, and for a long that, time now. <laughs> and how's that? How, yeah, how has that? Wonderful. Affected your work. Best money I've ever spent. Um, and I got it all back <laughs> thanks to psychotherapy. Um, well, I just think it makes you think in a completely different way. I used to think it was my secret. <laughs> going to psychoanalysis because it makes you very I think it makes you very flexible in the way you approach things and see things emotionally people and um so I mean it's just been a really important tool in my creative process so you talk about thinking in 3d so Mm. that helps you to think in 3d when you approach somebody you're kind of you're, you're, even though you're about to make up their face for a two-dimensional mm. image, you see them in the round when you're working on them. Then, do, do you think that that, that applies? Maybe I'm, I'm not sure. I think in a broader context, maybe, maybe just in terms of handling them personally. I don't know about the visual aspect of that. I think, but I just think, like, I don't know, psychoanalysis just it just helps you, you know just changes the way you think about things sheds projections sheds a lot of you know imposed things from your upbringing and all sorts and makes you a bit more purer to who you are fundamentally i think so and you can you can maybe more intuitive perhaps i think it may be yeah i think i think probably everyone has intuition but it's whether or not you're brave enough or willing enough to follow the intuition. And I think maybe psychotherapy allows you, gives you the kind of confidence to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. Have you ever done it? Uh, yes, I, it wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't wildly successful for me. But okay. <laughs> I mean, often it's not. I shouldn't not. even say I did it because I didn't, I didn't really. I think it's really about finding the right person, yes. 100%. Yes, yeah, and I got yeah. lucky with mine. So. Yeah. Mine wore Claude Montana and I kept thinking I was keeping her in fancy designer clothes <laughs> rather than her helping me. Um, I am. I, uh, you've talked about emotional beauty as well, and that actually ties into that, the idea of psychotherapy and, mm. and then emotional beauty, I think, mm. because it's, it's slightly less tangible than, than obviously physical beauty, mm. but it's more, it feels like it's, it, it's, it would be ultimately more rewarding mm. to be able to define that in a way that everybody understood what you were talking about. Yeah. What is it? What is emotional beauty? <laughs> what is emotional beauty? What do you mean by beauty? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think it just goes back to the the context of the work you're pre- where it's where it falls, where it falls in a fashion magazine versus where it is on an art gallery. And I think I can only really talk about myself and my work in the in that capacity as a makeup artist working in the fashion industry, making editorials, working with celebrities and pop stars. And you know what I mean? So 
does that do you, do you know what I mean by that so I can only really like analyze it relating to things that already exist in that environment which are mostly commercial do you know what I mean yeah it, 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 I, I guess when I can't I think go too of... over the top about about it because um it that's you can only really kind of like compare it to things that already exist in its own space yeah so yeah no but but I'm, I just wonder if when you're working with people at the end of the whole thing they turn to you and say you saw something in me nobody's ever seen. You know, you you drew something out. You managed to put something onto my skin mm-hmm. that says something about who I am inside, and nobody's ever managed to do that. Whether that's emotional beauty, whether you're, it, it, it's you know what Courtney loves a pretty on, mm-hmm. pretty on. What's pretty on the inside? Was that a whole song? Was that a whole album? I don't even remember. Um, But it's that sort of idea of (laughs) turning inside out. It's interesting when you're using prosthesis and and ways to to literally turn the human form or the human face or whatever inside out. That to me would be a fabulous challenge if I did what you if mm-hmm. I did what you did. Well, a lot of the work that I do or have done in the past, I probably will explore this again has been self-portrait series where I've turned myself into different characters from, you know, old men to with birds to, you know, um Russian restaurant owner in wherever to, you know, um I did a whole series. I don't know how happy he was about it, actually, for <laughs> Tom Ford, where I turned myself into all the Tom Ford women. And one one of them was like an Upper East Side Jewish psychotherapist, actually, with a giant forehead. <laughs> I don't, don't know how well he responded to that. But um, I find that really... <laughs> she would buy a Tom Ford a handbag. She would buy a Tom Ford handbag. Um, so I, That's very Cindy Sherman-esque of you. Yeah, I mean... I think I think it's yeah I mean I I get I mean I am really interested in like exploring real I pe- you know identity people with character people that move you you know that inspire some kind of emotional reaction I do love that I find that really interesting and um do you think that's that's harder to do than to to make gorgeous grotesques then isn't it I think it's harder to to kind of really to make that really accurate, a real accurate, believable representation of that person. You That's know what I mean? That's where you get your Oscar. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. No, yeah, note to self. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, it's about having fun, isn't it? I, um, uh, you, you, when you've talked about the, the digital experience flattening, or mm. maybe it's not you, but it's a general perception that the digital, that the digital world flattens things. And, and with your, with your, training your education in mm-hmm. three dimensions mm. you could say that that was something that you're that is a mission of yours which is to inflate the flat the flat you know to to give it to to make an experience which has been two-dimensional yeah traditionally more 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 multi-dimensional yeah. perhaps i mean that would be film really i mean that's probably the easiest and most direct trans transition translation of that idea um, which I'm absolutely going to pursue and working on at the moment. Um, Your own or, or with, yeah, or with other people? Yeah, my own, yeah, my own. Um, 
Because, I mean, what is the next step? That has to be the next step to turn it something into moving image and find that kind of bridge between an editorial or a kind of idea into something that's, uh, yeah. Well, you could moving. say obsession is, a narrative is your obsession. And, and that's obvious, an obvious yeah, one may- obsession. Maybe. That's, ov- that's an obvious step is to yeah. make a film where there is a story yeah. that you're telling, not that it's not just crammed into one image. There's totally. actually a whole totally. and the, sequence. It, intricacies and the complexities of that you know expanding on that world and that idea yeah for sure do you think in the end that everything that you do all the all the sort of subversive radical steps you've you you take Keep within, saying radical <laughs> no you said, ra- you said radical. radical you said radical at the beginning <laughs> i don't mind that word radical because i'm very big on this notion of um makeup of makeup radical. Of, <laughs> <laughs> that's only today right, it's right, tomorrow right. you will it's the weekend <laughs> um you know I'm, I'm very big on this notion of makeup as a kind of resistance mm. and uh and when you're curating an identity, you're making you're creating an identity as a as a rejection of of, of it, orthodoxy. Is it, is it a resistance or is it? I like that idea, but you know. No, I'm just uh, right. I'm just questioning: is it is it resistance and taking control? Which is a form of resistance right. because obviously yeah. all we read now is how yeah. we've surrendered control to yeah. the data gatherers, you know. But surrendered control to yourself though as well, you know, who you are fundamentally born raw, naked, you know. Is it is it partly to do with that? Because I think as we move towards or we are in this digital age, there's less and less in my experience or you know I, I live in London I don't live in the you know I'm just talking personally what I see you know people are less and less engaged in themselves and who they are and you know on a spiritual level and so I just wonder if you know it kind of goes hand in hand with that as well. And do you think what you do is maybe if it's a reaction against that, that you're trying to kind of inculcate lure people in, <laughs> or lure people, seduce people, yeah, possibly. into looking at themselves again. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's what I spend every week doing <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> and, and what's but, technology's role in that for you? Well, technology is another just a tool really i think a tool of communication and just allowing you to really help make the image as close to your vision as possible i mean i'm talking about photoshop for example love it (laughs) we'd all look really awful without it so thanks adobe but i mean um technology i mean what part of technology what part, you know, Instagram, computers, phones, what part? The whole digital communication that's yeah. settling, settling over us. That's well, well, one thing is really, one thing I just quickly find quite interesting with the whole digital thing, obviously as people are less inclined to go out and pick things up and read, that's a fact. Read a book, look at references, literally go outside, spend time off their phones the pool of information and visuals is, you know, there is a finite number within the, you know, your mobile phones, what you can look at that's logged on the internet and free for everyone to see. And like the art and the the artworks that are coming out of that, it's like this kind of weird self-generating stuff that's just like being so... Um, 
uh, what's the word? So um, it's like feeding itself on itself. Self-referential. Uh, exponentially. Yeah. And I find that really Solipsistic, interesting. That's the word. Is that the word? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I find that really interesting, what that means now, what that looks like, you know, and I mean, we're finding out, but, um, and, you know, the more people are attached to their phones and the less that they look around them and feel and experience and whatever. I mean, maybe that's a romanticized well, view of things. Where does narcissism but... fit into that, though? What, what, what are your feelings on that? What do you mean? I mean, you well, mean I've... in terms of like, selfies Self, yeah self-regard kind of diverted people from well that's what you're talking about well, it's kind of diverted people from the real world yeah i mean but that's just that that digital platform is becoming our community isn't it and that's what the community is based on is interaction of images shared of yourself and that kind of thing are you inspired by the people who are rejecting that though like there's a lot of talk about gen z they're rejecting mm. though they're rejecting, rejecting Instagram. No, they're rejecting that that kind of community for whatever it is mm. that you know you're 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 wired into hundreds of thousands of people you will never meet and you have this sense of you have the sense of belonging at the same time as you've never been more isolated or alienated. You know the the the, the weird paradox of, mm. of of digital intimacy and kids. I keep reading. They're, they're reading books, like you said. Nobody mm. reads books, and there's book circles now with kids wanting a, a, an object that they can swap with their friends, and mm. it's not about an ebook or something. Mm. And they want vinyl, and you know all these things that people talk about. I as have being a, a, just a question on that. Like, what are the actual numbers? <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't. Take Is that too a romanticized many, it article? It doesn't or? take too many people, mm. really. I mean, everything begins with a handful of people. True. And, and whether that handful of people remains a handful of people and become, become like some kind of beacon in I the just, future. Yeah, for sure. I just wonder what the actual reality of that is when we're having less and less control over what, you know, less and less control over ourselves and our privacy, you know, because yes, that might happen on one hand with like, which is a lovely, like awesome um, idea, these kids doing that. But then what about you know, the reality that and I'm not a big conspiracist or whatever, but, you know, government controlled and implemented things with mobile phones and data sharing and that because they're not, too, they're not, they're not too different. You know, it's, they're still going to be exposed to all of that. You know what I mean? Maybe, so, but, but then you could probably say that it's, it's always, information it's sharing always on a different scale and a different kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. There's always been a complete kind of rampant inequality and the govern the governors yeah. and the governed you know mm. throughout human history but i wonder i wonder what where this leaves you with what you do whether whether how you feel what you do mm. can influence people for better for the better or can inspire people to be something other than they are or do you see that there is a sort of bigger role that, I, for I'm, what you do i think it depends how you want to live your life and by that, I mean, it depends. Do you want to live your life through experience and through sharing and doing things physically? Do you want to be a celebrity? What do you equate success with? Um, I think those are the questions and I don't necessarily equate success. I do on some levels to celebrity and finance, but I also equate life success to experience and growth and wisdom and all those other things. So I think... It doesn't leave me, it, it it doesn't really change anything for me. I will still just pursue what I do 
with the same, hopefully, just integrity and thing that I always have done, which is constantly changing. But there's no, there's no like financial reward or celebrity reward at the end of it, really. If that happens, that happens. But for me, I can't stop making work. I can't stop exploring shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. So I don't, I don't know if the lesson to people is to just try, you know, just do you. <laughs> well, I think in, in your work, um, the, the, the redefinition of, of things like beauty, mm. um, of something as, as soul, as nurturing, as the mm. idea of beauty has always been. Just redefining that instantly opens up a million doors and windows for, for people. That's nice. With that, yeah, then that's a bonus if that happens <laughs> from what I do. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Isamea. Oh, it's lovely you. to talk to you. And we went deep. Likewise. <laughs> Obviously, we need new words for beauty. So. Next time. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, you might also be interested in joining BOF's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis in our Daily Digest email, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, special print issues, and all of our online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. For a limited time only, we are offering our podcast listeners an exclusive 25% discount on your first year of an annual BOF professional membership. To get this special offer, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special code PODCAST2019 at checkout. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please leave us a rating if you did, and don't forget to share it with your friends. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person, too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.